there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Rocket the Health World once again, and it is Advanced Medicine Monday. That is the, one of my favorite times of the week, every week, when we get to visit with our good friend here, Dr. Rashid Batar, do some medical rewind. And Dr. Batar, I got into some trouble on Friday on the Healing Revolution a little bit with some of my listeners because I agreed with Dr. Rand Paul when he said health care is not a right. And if it is a right, that means we can enslave doctors to do our bidding because it's a right. Dr. Batar, you have to take care of me no matter what because it's my right. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring this up, Robert, because uh, almost um, 15 years ago, this conversation took place in the emergency room with, with myself and some of my colleagues. And we were talking about this very fact that people think that health care uh, is their right, but in actuality, it is a privilege and that's all it is it's a privilege because anybody can demand anything they want but just like um, you could say that health is no more a right than it's a right for somebody to drive a Mercedes and live on the beach <laughs> yes you know um, people make the wrong decisions they make they they do the make the wrong choices in life mm-hmm. and then they have to pay the consequences and if health truly was a right then you could drink all the coca-cola that you want you could do all the IV uh, heroin that you want. Uh, you can smoke every type of substance out there you want and then demand that you get your liver transplant and you get, you know, all the health care that you need um, because it's your right to have that and it's not a privilege. But in actuality, it is a privilege. It's a privilege because you have to do the right things in life. You have to make the right choices in life. You have to be proactive. You have to make sure that you're drinking the right stuff and uh, ingesting the right stuff. You have to make sure that you exercise because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to enjoy that privilege. You will end up suffering the consequences just like we do for any other action that we may uh, take that's incorrect. Well, and think about it. I mean, if healthcare is right, why not housing? And if so, that means that the the people that build houses, we have a right to their labor labor for free. We don't have to pay them. I have a right to a house. Build my house. And I don't think that people – and I say this on the left, but even on the right, they don't get this so much that, you know, as you say, it's a privilege. Now, at the same time, we're not advocating turning people away that are in genuine need when we talk about accident, trauma, you know, the emergency room type scenarios. And people aren't really turned away. They are mandated to care for that. But, of course, somebody has to pay for it. Now, I've been in situations I don't carry medical insurance because there are a lot of reasons that I don't. But I've had an emergency where I've had to go in and I negotiate the payment. And even if I have to pay it out over time, there's a way to pay it back. Absolutely. Uh, but I didn't demand that the taxpayers pay for what I was doing. You know, it's interesting that you bring this thing up by going to the hospital and negotiating. When my um, son, Abby, was born, I remember we didn't have health insurance at that time. We'd canceled it because a premium, uh, monthly premium, I'm sorry, not monthly premium, the annual premium, I calculated it out on a health insurance policy for my ex-wife at the time compared to what we would have had to pay for it out of our pocket by going to the hospital, it was cheaper just to pay up front than to pay that premium right. um, throughout 12 months. And when I actually got to the hospital, I remember um, I went through the out processing area and the lady asked me, she said, um, how are you going to be, uh, what's your insurance uh, company's name? And I said, I don't have insurance, I'm uh, cash pay. 
And she says, oh, well, in that case, if you pay within the next 30 days, we will extend to you a, I believe it was a 25% discount. Mm. And I said, really, 25% discount? She said, yes. And uh, just out of just joking, I said, so what if I pay like in the next seven days? Uh-huh. Not expecting anything different, right? right? Right. She said, well, actually, if you pay within the next three days, it's a 55% discount. Yes. Yes. 55%. You know, it's, you, people don't know that this is possible. We, we investigated you know, with hospitals and birthing centers. And they, you know, I, was, I was checking out, I was like, this hospital in downtown Atlanta at one point, and they said, oh, well, it's normally about $12,000 you know, going through all this. So what if you do it by cash? And she said, oh, that's three, 3000 I, I was just, I, my jaw dropped. It was like 75% off for that? And, and people say, well, listen, I mean, there are ways to go around this. Right now, of course, with the medical monopoly as it stands, there's no real genuine competition. I mean, it isn't that, you know, it's like if a hospital is competing with another hospital, it's within the same monopoly. So we can see prices going up. But what if a hospital innovated, right, had homeopaths and herbalists next to the MDs all working together in a free market? You think people would be flocking from all over the world to get that kind of care. And, and you know, there would be genuine competition. I agree with you, and uh, I think that's what made our country as great as it is, you know, that free capitalist uh, viewpoint of allowing free markets to um, bear whatever the public will, um, you know, will pay for. I think that's really how everything should be. Yeah, and in the case of uh, Senator Rand Paul, who's an eye uh, a surgeon, an ophthalmologist, I mean, when you, when you have certain, uh, I think, cataract surgeries, uh, they're mandated. The pricing is set by the Medicare or Medicaid, and so it's very expensive. But if you do these optional uh, techniques, what they do, what do they call the radial keratotomies? Now they're laser for, you know, form. The, it's evolved mm-hmm. a lot. But the prices have come down so low because there's no mandate. It's a free market that, that, you know, the average person off the street can go in and pay cash or, you know, a couple of payments and they can get their eyes done. And you see that even within a monopoly, there's evidence that there can be competition and it would work. Well, I think competition is where everything, uh, you know, it basically allows the survival of the fittest. And some people may look at that the wrong way, but it's actually the best company will do the best. The best service provider will, will do the best. Uh, and it's not that they're going to do the best by monopolizing. It's because the greatest demand is always for the best service, for the best um, you know, producer for the best whatever there may be. I mean, I want the best in anything that I do. If I'm going to go out there and I get a car, I want to get the best car. If I want to go to a restaurant, I want to get the best restaurant. If I want to go buy, you know, X, Y, and Z, I want the best X, Y, and Z. So if you allow a free market to exist and you allow the playing field to be the same, then that free capitalist um, mentality will bear what is the best and allow the best to continue and thrive. And those that don't meet the you know come to par that they basically won't survive and mm. and i don't think there's anything wrong with that because why should somebody that's providing a mediocre service or a sub uh, service mm-hmm. be allowed to stay in business right. when they're you know and, and having the government intervene to make it fair i mean the well fair, in, in a monopoly it's not, the, it's not fair to the consumer no and in a monopoly those mediocres and worse proliferate in a monopoly yes. that's it's the opposite of what happens now i've heard it said by economists that are really in the know like the austrian school where they look at things a lot different than than the so-called chicago school where they talk about capitalism isn't a system it's the it's the flow of 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 
capital. In other words, it describes how it would flow in a free market to those things that people genuinely want and that they value and that they're getting a good value for their money and a good quality. And so as opposed to being cruel and mean and heartless capitalism. This is the thing that I've never understood, Robert. Why is it that – I mean why why is it that that word capitalism has been associated with that? Because to me it's never been associated with that. Mm -hmm. It's a connotation you know, with the the word capitalism that that it's it's somehow – well, they, they equate, yeah, they equate it with the robber barons of old, right? But it, but no. all of those things happened in many ways. It lifted up so many people in this, from states of poverty to other aspects of life. Now, the thing is, is when the government became involved in, in granted monopolies, that's where you had the real trouble. And I think that's overlooked here. As I've said for so many years, and I've, I've coined the phrase like, like Ron Paul says, end the Fed. I've said end the Med. And it's not like ending medicine. It's like ending the monopoly. And mm-hmm. watch the good come out of the people that went into medicine for the right reasons and will still I think the flow of charity in, in a sense will also be something that will be returned and restored because it's been almost made criminal to be charitable now it has to be forced through Medicaid for instance for charity that's not charity of course that's redistribution well uh, Medicaid just to talk about Medicare for example um, there are certain injections that the amount that the government will reimburse for, like, say, a vitamin B12 folic acid injection is something like 43 cents. Now, you know, it, that won't even – I mean, we, literally, we have gotten – we don't accept Medicare or Medicaid, and we, we stopped in 2011 years ago. But I have actually gotten checks, and I'm not exaggerating. We've gotten a check for 43 cents from Medicare for having given a B12 injection. And – you know, mail right now, postage stamp right now, it's 43 cents. So that's not including the envelope or the generation of the paper and the computer that generated the statement. And then 43 cents. And what is 43 cents? I mean, you've got a nurse that drew up the medicine, the cost of the medicine, cost of the syringe, cost of the needle, cost of time to administer that syringe, cost of overhead to have that place where the person can come and get the injection where the nurse is working. But 40, it's absolutely, I've, I've literally said, look, I'll just pay for it myself. I, I mean, I, right. would, I would rather do this myself than to incur all this expense to get 43 cents, which the government can come back to you afterwards and say, you know, this you, was whatever. Fraudulent billing, money. right? Yeah, you defrauded us of 43 cents for a vitamin exactly. B shot. We don't even believe it. And, he, exactly and yet right. they would mandate, of course, uh, in ex- uh, very expensive treatments that are inefficient that you would know as a physician do not even work or not even appropriate. But the fact that you don't do them raises suspicion. So to be in that system, again, it's a form of enslavement as well to doctors that have, now have to do what they know is not even right just so that they're not made criminals by the government that, that ma- mandated these crazy regulations. And then this goes on to the attitude and the emotional distraught that the doctor is in on a constant basis, which we've talked about before, when they're walking around with their head down yes. in, in a state of depression. Why? Because they know that what they're doing innately is not right for the patient. Mm. So you, have you talked to this uh, more currently with uh, the physicians that are friends of yours trapped in this system or others that have out, outgrown it, understand the difference between a right and a privilege. I think this is something that we've kind of lost altogether as a, as a general assumption when we assume, well, this is a right, this is a right. People don't even know what the definition of a right is anymore. Uh, you know, I haven't had those conversations in, recently in the last few years, but I think that people, the general public, when I say people, I'm not talking about, I'm not referring to physicians per se, I'm referring to just the general public at large. I think people need to remember that freedom is a privilege, health is a privilege, life is a privilege. And these are all privileges that we were given through the Constitution by our forefathers to, to keep these privileges in check. 
And these privileges were made when, you know, we have the right to certain things. These are really privileges that we got because in many other countries and in parts of the world, these were, nobody had them. These were not rights. These were privileges that our constitution allowed to become certain rights for us, like the, you know, right to freedom of speech or the right to bear arms. In many countries, these are not rights. Well, yeah, they're not recognized as rights. You're right in that, you know, only at the pleasure of the king could you have, you know, the right to bear arms, so to speak. Whereas in our uh, declaration and then constitution here in the United States, where it it acknowledged, uh, let's say, a connection to a source of sources or an actual creator that was above and beyond the king, above and beyond even the government that was created, and that the government was designed just to protect those rights rather than, let's say, uh, limit the people the Constitution was written to limit the government. Right. That's exactly right. And see, the, the thing is that I hope people understand, and, and I hope that our future generation uh, is able to, to see this, is that every one of these things that we're talking about, everything from the right to bear arms or the right to freedom of speech, which are considered you know, in our Constitution as our rights, but are really privileges, as well as the privilege of being able to get in your own car and going to whichever restaurant you want and buying whatever food you want or or the privilege of driving whatever type of car you want or living wherever you, these are privileges and nobody has a right to that because if everybody had the right then everybody would be driving a Mercedes or BMW and everybody would be living on the beach and everybody would not be in a, uh, would be in whatever state of abundance that they wanted to be in mm. but none of these things are 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 uh, rights these are privileges mm. if you pay the if you pay what's necessary in time effort uh, education, whatever's necessary at a certain point in your life, then you reap these benefits the, uh, of, of these privileges that you've earned. But when we talk about health care, we seem to think of it in a different manner. It's no different. Yeah, it's, it's the same it's, exact thing. It's fascinating. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion here on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Bittar, uh, rights, privileges, health care, healing. We'll talk more about the system of compassion in freedom versus slavery. And I know it's a, it's a bizarre concept to be discussing, but it needs to be discussed because we got a lot of people that still don't get it. We're going to help them along the way, and Dr. Patar is with me to do that right here and right now. Stay with us. We're coming right back with more Powerful Healing. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Advanced Medicine Monday continues here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, streaming through natural news, and we got it going 24-7. If you ever miss an Advanced Medicine Monday, the good news is the archives are there for your downloading pleasure, and it's free. And there are so much that Dr. Batar and I have discussed over the weeks we've been doing this together. And uh, this is one of my favorite topics, in fact, uh, launching into the, the freedom to heal versus it's a right to heal, which means I have the ability to conscript my doctor to say, hey, it's a right. I don't need to pay you. It's my right. <laughs> of course, that means you have to use theft. In other words, I have to thieve. I have to steal your freedom, your time in order to engage in a right, which means by definition, it's not a right. Because if you have to violate somebody else's rights to exercise your rights, then by definition, it isn't a right. But, of course, I'm the stickler for definitions here. Well, I think that um, we all need to be sticklers for definitions in order to make sure that we're, we stay on the right path. Yeah, yeah, and I think the compassion is in understanding basic human rights and not violating them. And in that way, of course, as I've seen, as, as you have seen, the ability to help people becomes so much more profound and available. 
as we see the scarcity of, of let's say, assistance or help in a, in a monopoly, in an artificial creation or in an artificial economy, people start rationing this stuff. As in, in socialized medicine, you become a number. Well, we got to weigh this out. Is it valuable enough for grandma to go through this procedure? No, she's only got X number of years. Well, nope, that's not going to work for us. But you don't have the freedom to make that choice anymore. Well, if socialized medicine was the answer, Robert, then... Canada and the UK and many other countries, you know, this, the model would have been very successful. And yet, throughout the years, socialized medicine has shown its um, ineptness in many ways. And that's one reason the United States was the beacon of healthcare people from all over the world should come here. And of course, in the last 10 years, that's changed, but it hasn't changed because of um, socialized medicine or lack of socialized medicine. It's become uh, a consequence of exactly what you were talking about, which is a monopoly, which has mm. stemmed freedom of um, the right to practice medicine and which has then directly stemmed innovation and and medicines become stagnated in the United States. And now we're, of course, going towards that socialistic model. I think that more and more people realize that when you start bringing in this concept of rights and, and socialism and, you know, I, I've always said that communism, which for many years in the United States and in the free world was considered to be a bad word. But communism, I thought, is, is a beautiful, beautiful concept. If you really study communism, it really is a fantastic concept. There's only one thing wrong with it. Hmm. And that is that it's a utopian concept when it comes to mankind because man, it will never, it'll never work for. Man always wants more than his neighbor or, or the person next to him. So man will always strive for more. You know, we have what we call the reticular activating system in our brain. It's a goal-seeking mechanism. And so unless a human has a goal that they're striving for, their lives become mundane. And so most people will have some type of goal. Most people want to improve their life. And for that very reason, communism will never work because it's a utopian concept. It's a concept that as soon as you enter the, the variable of man into it, becomes a moot point. Now, I think mm. communism would work great for goats and for horses and for cows <laughs> and for everybody else. Well, but, yeah, when we become sheeple instead of people, it's all good. Exactly. But that's the thing. I mean, when, the, when you look at the concept behind communism, it truly is beautiful. The problem is man. And so as soon as you enter man in, you know, nothing else but capitalism is actually going to work on a sustained mm -hmm. basis as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's, that's, you, you talk about destroying the human spirit as well in a system where you're forced to be like everybody else and be mediocre. And, of course, as we know throughout history, when those attempts have been made to institute it from above, uh, the, the high society that control everything are not living like the rest of the crew, man. They're, they're, they're high on the hog. That's right. That You've got a, a much greater divergence on the extremes, and, and there's no middle class anymore. It's either poverty or... or you know, as you said, you're living high on the hog. Yeah, and we're still seemingly moving towards that as we've seen the, uh, the gr what do they call it? the growth of the rate of uh, compensation, like for CEOs versus the average worker, divide, divide, w working up wider and wider. And, of course, they're wrongly, again, blaming capitalism, which, as I said, is not a system per se. It's the flow of money. It's the flow of capital. Uh, but it's not a free market. It's corporatism. We have corporate welfare. We have monopolies. And that has created the situation that, you know, you're not going to get utopia through that any more than you're going to get it through socialism or communism but you know here we're arguing for freedom dr batar but we're not arguing for monopoly see that's where people i think they don't hear us they say oh well you like the system as it was 10 years ago it's like no we haven't had a true free market in healing and medicine in 50 or 60 years now and we've had the we've had the free market and things like say computer technology and certain things like that but i've always said that if healthcare and medicine were to be equated with the computer industry then we would be like 
our, we would be like a laptop that's still in the size of a house <laughs> because that's how much it's been stemmed and prevented. It's been essentially not stagnation would be one thing, but stagnation yeah. implies lack of flow. It's actually been uh, actively prevented from growing, being growing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that when you talk about the monopoly and you know, the, many people would say, well, there's no monopoly. You've got, you know, seven different major health insurance companies. You've got, you know, 20 different major hospital comp- um, corporations. But in actuality, it is a monopoly because they're all one part of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that's another point I think that maybe the general public doesn't understand. They'll overlook that, for sure, yeah. Exactly. And you were mentioning the laptop's as big as a house. I was thinking, well, for those that believe housing is a right, you could then live in your laptop. If there, there was you go. Monopoly there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm amazed. Again, we've, we've lost our way as a culture. And, you know, and, and many people on the planet would say we've all lost our ways and lost our minds here. But here we are again. We're talking about restoring freedom and how that would genuinely help those most in need. I've argued as well, the poorest among us do not lack drugs they lack basic nutrition i covered a story last hour dr batar it's wild they 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 titled this the chub tracker (laughs) the chub tracker like chubby (laughs) and they're putting in cameras in schools to document student students caloric intake they're putting barcodes on the food pictures before and after they eat and then saying well let's figure this out but they have no reference point it's like the american dietetic association to the difference between empty calories and calories that are dense with nutrients they don't understand what we understand and like many holistically minded docs and non-docs understand and those are the guys that are running the show here. Are, are you saying that they're taking before and after pictures and barcoding the food in order to determine why these children are becoming more obese and yes. getting onset of diabetes? Yes. It, it, I mean, it, of course, they're not taking into consideration the fact that what they're giving in the food, the constituents within the food themselves promote. No, the no, they got white. Enough. They got white bread here. They got white pasta, and they're like, hmm, I wonder why it is they're eating their food or they're. Eat-. And the thing is, at the end of the article, though, they actually acknowledge that there's something weird here because th- some of those th- these kids that were were obese were not even overeating. They were eating less than the calories that they said would cause obesity because what they're eating is so so garbage. See, this is what makes me wonder that these entities, these organizations, and they they're not lacking of money. When they start putting this stuff out, and then we've talked about the two million bucks for what they just said, and, yeah, the yeah, integrity of the media and how they're reporting certain things, you know, they know what the truth is. But the public, they're counting on the ignorance of the American public to listen to their BS and to buy it hook, line, and sinker. Yes. Yeah, well, that's what we need, chub trackers in, in schools. Man. We, you know, the country's bankrupt, and we're going to throw $2 million at, at a study like this. We don't need two cents to tell them what's going on. Uh, it's, it's absurd. It really is absurd. They could take that $2 million and feed God knows how many thousands of kids for how many months and make sure that they give them some food that's actually going to be beneficial for them. Yes. Stop the onslaught of the vaccines and you know take that immunogenic burden out of their systems and mm-hmm. allow them to – uh, have a system that's at least functional and, and reduce the requirement for all these ancillary antibiotics. And I mean, it, it, you know, I'm preaching to the choir now. Yeah, but it, but it's valid. I mean, it's kind of like you know they attack uh, Ron Paul because he's not big on socialism, but at the same time he says, well, look, if we could cut back on the militarism and nation building and being an empire and being everywhere, the policemen of the world, we could actually afford to take care of the people that have become dependent upon government and hopefully have a system where they become independent. You know, he's the only guy that's got a way to salvage the people that are poorest. And then those on the left say, oh, man, how cruel he is. He's going to. But the thing is, we continue the way we're going. It's going to go kaput and there'll they'll, they'll be nothing for anybody. I'll tell you the truth, Robert. 
I don't think Ron Paul will ever become a president. You know why? Why? Because he's the only person that's truly a, a presidential candidate. <laughs> and the media will never allow uh, somebody who's truly got the interest of the country and supporting the Constitution to ever get to that point. I remember last president, uh, the last presidency yes. uh, during the elections, they wouldn't even allow him to debate, even though he was on the Internet. They showed him, at I think, 16 percent, but the mm -hmm. major media wouldn't even allow him to participate in some of the debates in South Carolina. Yeah. It, it, he, he's the, truly, if anybody understands and looks at the issues at hand, he truly is the only candidate we've had in the last, I'd say probably in the last 20 years. Easily, yeah. Easily. And, and, you know, the thing is, I've been watching all the media appearances because they are taking him more seriously this time. I have to say, because I watched him on Fox News on Sunday, Chris Wallace, who ridiculed him, I think, four years ago in a debate that said, uh, as to electability, uh, sir, do you have any? And everybody chuckled in there at that one. And now he's, he admitted he's taking them much more seriously. But then they think it's radical uh, that, uh, you know, the general welfare clause doesn't mean the government can do anything and everything it wants. I mean, what was the point of Article 1, Section 8, which was specifically enumerating the powers of the federal government if the general welfare clause could say, well, you could do anything. Forget Article 1, Section 8. And they, they actually and, and this isn't just a left or a right. I mean, it's both of them, both sides of the equation. They look at this guy and say, why does he keep pointing to the Constitution? You know, it's almost like they've forgotten what the Constitution is. And in fact, there have been certain people in our current uh, elected government that have said, never mind the Constitution or let's forget the Constitution or I don't even remember exactly the words that have been said, but it's been quoted all over the Internet. It's on even some of the news, you know, how, how uh, President Obama had referred to the Constitution. But what I find interesting is, you know, when you talk about the concept of welfare and how welfare started and when welfare started and the purpose behind welfare, when it was originally originated sometimes back in the 30s or 40s, it was only one out of, I think, six people that were or families that were eligible for welfare actually – uh, took it because it was considered an embarrassment, and people would not do it. Um, you know, e even when they were desperately needed it, they wouldn't take welfare. Mm -hmm. And over the years, it comes back to this right versus privilege. We have third generations that have been on welfare that believe it is their right mm. to get that money, to get that support. And th there's never been any incentive placed. There's never been any a reason for them to think anything otherwise. So we have actually created this dependency among a subpopulation that believes it is their right to be supported by the labor and the sweat and the blood of others that have earned that money. You know, the thing is, it doesn't happen overnight either. You mentioned going back to the 30s and the 40s. It's taken a while to get from the point where people would, you know, be too proud to take on that kind of uh, uh, burden of, of taking from others in this way. Uh, you know, if we look at animals in the wild, if we want to get them in a corral the easy way, the way we'll do it is we'll place food in an area and they'll keep coming back for the food. They'll become used to it. But, of course, if they see a fence suddenly erected around it, they're not going to approach it. Now, if you build the, you know, one side of the fence and keep the food there, then they keep coming back. You build the second side of the fence, you keep the food back. You build the third. By the time you build the fourth with the open, they're so used to coming and getting their food, they don't even know the fence has been built around them. And they don't understand the trap, as you've described now, generationally into a system of, uh, you know, literally dependence and, of course, we go back to the origins of, of the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. It was the Thanksgiving of the bounty when they uh, basically abandoned socialism, where everybody had their plot, but everybody had to share everything to the point where you own it, you can do what you want, you can grow as much or as little, you can give it away, you can sell it. And suddenly there was such an abundance, they were able to, to share the bounty of freedom. 
You're absolutely right, Robert. And this uh, concept of building the funds, you know, slowly one fence and then the second side and third side, you know, this desensitization that's been taken over a course of decades, you're absolutely correct. This is what's created this illusion that people think everything is fine and they continue. They're like that, those animals walking in into a trap and not even realizing it. But, you know, if you look, you, talk, you bring up this concept of, of animals. Now, even though this has been decades, we're talking about, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, in the history of man, it's literally a blip of a, of a you know fraction yeah. of a second, and we know that nature does not tolerate something for nothing for very long. So historically, even though this is you know sixty, fifty, sixty years, this concept, we know that nature will not tolerate something for very long. And in the course of time, this is just not even a you know fraction of a second. It's not going to be tolerated very long. No, and we're seeing it. We're seeing the outcome of it. Advanced Medicine Monday continues here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, taking healing to levels where uh, you'll never know where we end up. But it's always fascinating to me, Doctor Batar. We've got a lot more to do here on. Advanced Medicine Monday, and I'll tell you also how to get the book, Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, best-selling. I'll tell you the list that they're on. If you are new to the Robert Scott Bell Show, you will be amazed by what Dr. Batar has put out. We'll be right back with more Powerful Healing. We'll continue on with uh, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Amazon.com best-selling author, Dr. Rashid Batar, good friend of the program here. We do our Advanced Medicine Monday every week covering uh, issues, topics, discussions, and healing behind the scenes of medicine like you never hear anywhere else in media. And Dr. Batar, grateful. I'm fascinated by the discussion here of freedom and healing on, on many levels. And I'm thinking in terms of uh, uh, bringing the healing back to people that are kind of trapped, as we talked about, unknown, unknowingly. They don't even know that they're trapped in a system like all of these diseases, including cancer and other things that, that you have to see in your practice that could be largely eradicated if we started at the base point of saying fundamental nutrition should be, if anything, should be right. You know, and I'm not even arguing that because we, we need to take care of that. But the reality is if we would be looking at nutrition for the poorest among us, then nine out of ten of the ailments that they, they're demanding, I need a right to health care. They wouldn't even have a problem. You know, the three basic foundations of healing – that I cover in the book. The first one is systemic detoxification. The second one is immune modulation. The third one is physiological optimization. All three of those things technically could become rights, if you think about it, where the government ensures the right that the substances that we are ingesting into our bodies, that we are taking in by mouth, that we are inhaling, that we're drinking, are pure. Pure. Yeah. You and I said that we think in the same way. <laughs> yeah. Pure, clean and devoid of toxins. You know, that should be a right for every person. And yet, it is the very entity that has been appointed to protect us that is guilty of causing the problem in the first place. Yeah, facilitating the pollution, the pesticides, the genetic modifications. And if we look back at the dawn of the, the Pure Food and Drug Act that Dr. Harvey Wiley had helped uh, you know orchestrate and pass, there was a genuine goodness about that. If you read it and read about Wiley's life back then and what the FDA has become is a corrupt bureaucracy to basically protect the polluters. And po protect the, the polluters and protect the um, – not just the polluters but also the – well, I guess the pharmaceutical cartel could be considered to be polluters yes, too. Yes, in but that context. I, I, yes. Yeah. So the synonymous then, okay, then, then you and I are in agreement with that too. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Of course, it, it altered as, as industry it realized how they could utilize the uh, generosity of government by buying special favors and that they would then kick it back. There was another story I covered about, you know, the, you know how they say multi hundreds of millions and, and sometimes billion dollar fines that Big Pharma, Pfizer, GSK, these guys are paying to the government. Like they'll go out and they'll kill slews of people and instead of, 
you know, bene- let's say coming back and fi- fines benefiting the people who have been harmed, they come back basically into the coffers of the federal government and the FDA. So they love this game. They approve the drugs that end up killing you, and then there's no recourse, there's no uh, accountability at the fed in the federal government, and they get the fines that they get to go. Oh, you bad pharma companies, and then they get to keep selling their drugs. It, this really comes down to if you look at all the all the discussion that we've had, Robert, in the past, and, and even today's conversation. This really comes back down to the issue with healthcare, the issue with nutrition, the issue of privilege versus right, the issue of welfare. Um, it really all comes back that we have lost our way as a people that government is fearful of, and we have become a people that are in fear of the government. Mm, the sheeple again. Exactly. And if really, if you, come, if you re- just distill it down to its pure essence, it is that the very gold that our forefathers had, it's literally like they had a crystal ball and they could see all the problems that would arise within our society over the next 250 years, which is exactly what's happening now. I mean, I read quotes in not only just health and medicine, but in, in the finance industry and church and state and all these different things. And these, I read these really, really strong worded uh, quotes and I'm like, oh my God, this is, you know, this, this is so powerful. This is so timely. And then you look at who wrote it and it was, you know, Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or, you know, one of our forefathers. And it's amazing that they knew what the issues we would have to be dealing with today. And if our society had been more um, cautious, because uh, what's, what's that uh, adage? Um, that, that maybe you can help me out. The, the only thing in order for evil to perpetuate, it's for good men to stand by and be idle. Good men to do nothing. That's right. To do nothing. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really what's come down to. We really, again, it comes back to what you say, sheeple. We've become sheeple. We, we've stood by. I had a big discussion with my dad about this just the other night. Mm. And my dad's been always a very proactive. He's an attorney, very well experienced in the United States, in the UK, and in Pakistan, practicing criminal law. And even his, even his attitude now was even though he's always been a proactive person, is, is literally like, you know, well, we shouldn't be discussing any of this stuff and we just need to sit back because it's pointless. There's nothing we can do about it. Well, if, if everybody thinks that there's nothing we can do about it, then we might as well. What the hell is the point of existing in the first place? <laughs> yeah, well, give it up. Just do – you know, that powerlessness. I mean that's a very uh, despondent place to be. We've talked about it in terms of if you're a doctor in a system and you're trapped, you feel powerless. And the people of, of America that look at the government say, oh, it's too big. It's too bad. We can't do anything. Yet there is an element of our country here, young people that yearn for freedom that look at – and I covered this last week with a dear friend of mine, Brad Salas. He wrote a book called – liquid leadership and we talked about the generational differences from the baby boomers to gen x gen y and the expectations and the gen y's are looking at the boomers and going dude we're not paying for for this mess and of course they'll be the first to say uh, we're out of here and of course that that the the gravy train ends and it'll end whether they want to pay for it and not just simply because of what the fed is doing but we are seeing the energy of youth looking and going I don't think we like the direction here so inevitably it's going to change it's how it's going to change I guess is the question yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's going to change in a in a manner that people expect. Um, but the good thing is, whichever way it changes, the change is coming, and we all know that it's coming. And it's a very exciting time to be alive and be part of that change. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and speaking of change, and you know, not I, not to change the subject, but it kind of builds on something we we talked about over the years as well. Uh, last week there was a big press conference uh, that a group of of, uh, of families that were had had vaccine injured or killed children, particularly those that were injured, brain damaged, and autistic, including. Uh, they found eighty three cases, and I think they were referencing forty six or so specific ones that were being compensated through the National Vaccine Injury Act Compensation Act uh, for specific brain disorders, including autism. And this was a major, major release because, you know, for a long time, the government is still saying there's no link, there's no link, then why are they compensating them? And these parents were very upset. They said, of course, they'd take all the money and give it back if they could have their children back, obviously. But at the same time, they're saying, where is the government in investigating what has gone on since then or investigating the medical condition or the genetic underpinnings, all the things that should be investigated? And they've completely ignored it. And I even interviewed Dr. Wakefield last week about this. So they're finally being you know, forced ultimately to look at what you have known for many years. I think, too, also in the story, Robert, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't part of the issue that some of these people were actually encouraged not to mention the fact that they – uh, that the children had autism, or it yes, was absolutely, no, it was. It was. They were definitely, um, let's say, if not overtly, then subtly threatened that if they went out into the open, that they might lose the benefits that they had gained in the vaccine court. And they actually said that at the press conference. You're right. Yeah. Well, you know, with the with the Department of Justice indicting the researcher that uh, had a role in that Denmark study, and and with these type of things, I mean, it's you know, somebody asked me about. Four, maybe five weeks ago, one of my patients asked me, a new patient, and uh, actually had been hearing the radio show and said to me, um, you know, how does it feel to be vindicated? Huh. Uh, and I looked at him, and, you know, because I didn't quite understand what he meant by vindication. He said, you know, but with all the stuff you've been saying and, you know, some of your associates have been saying and now you guys seeing coming to true, how, how does it feel to be vindicated? I said, well as far as vindication is concerned, when I got my son back, when Abi recovered, I mean, all my vindication, I, I, I had, it, it wasn't even an issue of vindication anymore. Right. I really didn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue that came down to that level. It was more of now just making sure that you do right and just let the information get out there so that more people mm-hmm. are aware of their options so that they don't get injured. In fact, I yes. saw this quote in the back of a business card that was given to me a couple of years ago when I was uh, invited to the Oscars. And um, on the back of this card, this guy gave me his card. I, I love this quote. And it's, um, it's simple, just a couple of words. Do, um, do right and fear no man. Hmm. And I, I, it's anonymous. I, I find it to be very powerful. But you know, this isn't about vindication or, or it's not about um, who was right and who was wrong. It's about making sure that more people don't fall into the same trap that I myself, you know, even though I knew about this information, my, I, I became no less a victim than some of the patients that I see with my child having been injured. Right, right. Well, and, and it shows that any one of us at any point in our lives, if we, if we uh, you know, even with all the smarts in the world, we can fall prey to these things. And that's what a lot of these parents were saying at this press conference. They know that they can't get their kids back. They're, some of them were so far gone, but they don't want this to happen to any other children. And in fact, I'll tell you how, how strong it is, Robert. My own brother, you know, saw what happened with Abby, saw what I went through, saw all the things we were doing in the clinic and has his firstborn. I told him what not to do. His wife, again, being fear-motivated, got the vaccines, and 
they just kind of crossed their fingers. Hmm. And she had a development delay, and she ended up not being able to speak. She lost her ability to speak. And you talk about somebody who freaked out. My brother and his wife both literally freaked out. Now, you know, luckily, for what I don't know whether it's luck or whatever it is, but, you know, he called me. He said, tell me what to do. I don't care what it is. Just tell me what to do. We started her treatment. It took about a year and a half. Her speech came back. Everything came back. She's back on track. She's developing normally. Now, it's so funny. His wife will not do a single thing unless Hmm. they clear it from me. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's like she fell and she skinned her knee. Is it okay for me to put (laughs) Neosporin on it? Oh, no. Get them on the the silver gel. No more petrochemicals. They don't even need that anymore. But no, this is good news. And it takes what it takes. Hopefully we can uh, salvage these children before they need salvaging. And that's the point of what we do also here on Advanced Medicine Monday. We've got one more segment together here. It goes so fast when we're together, but fascinates me every week. And I hope uh, everybody's enjoying it as much as I am here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Batar. I've got links to Dr. Batar's book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, as well as to the Medical Rewind. And lots you can learn uh, from Dr. Batar as well. If you get the book through the link there, you can actually get one of those videos for free, just the price of shipping. And we've uh, covered that before as well. And I'm glad you're still offering that. And Dr. Batar, I interviewed Dr. Wakefield. He was also very emotional immediately following that uh, press conference last week. And for a lot of the same reasons, because, you know, he's looking to salvage and save these kids that are unnecessarily being harmed in this way. Although he has been mercilessly attacked because he's gone out there on record specifically about the uh, links that he saw the, the the parents that he interviewed the children that he saw and so to some degree he's feeling oh my gosh yes there's some level of they're going to have to deal with this now but by and large i find docs like yourself are motivated for all the right reasons here i think that doctors generally speaking robert um as a profession most people have the right motivation to go into the profession most people want to do the right thing for the patients most people want to um, make a difference in other people's lives. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone into that profession. There's a lot of other ways of making money a lot easier with less hassle, yes. with less you know persecution, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are certain ones I believe that may have been. Some people may say they've been cursed. Some people may say they may say they've been blessed. Whatever the case is, however you want to look at it, that are driven by a personal issue. And uh, I think most people that have gone into the whatever you want to call it, integrative, alternative path, the the non-traditional and the non-conventional path maybe would be a better way of putting it, were driven there out of more necessity than by desire, like yourself and myself. You know, yes. we had things that happened in our own personal lives or with those of the, that are our loved ones that motivated us. And as the old saying goes, desperation is a mother of all innovation. Once that transition has taken place, then you can't go back into that darkness from where you came because it was the light that you saw that led you to the solution either for yourself or for your loved one. And if you're true to yourself and you're true to your soul, you can't negate that truth. I mean, once it's there, it's there, and you can't go back into that darkness. No, not without heavy medication. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> joke about. Or, or you go back into the state of where these other doctors we've discussed, where they're in a constant state of you know depression, and, yes. and uh, they're, they're just they're, they're living a lie. I tell you, it's got to be depressing. I've got a, a link here from SaneVax, who we've, we've referenced them before, and they've uh, brought out this story about the Florida legislature now refusing to limit mercury in vaccines. I mean, this, this is unconscionable. There, there's a state center that finally an amendment to regulate vaccines containing mercury to eliminate it and they couldn't even pass that i mean how sick is this that this could happen in any state much less florida 
you know, it, I think that you're going to see strange things like this back and forth vacillations, you know, things that are happening that are good and then other people that come back and revert those laws and, and you're going to see things trying to be passed through like with the Patriot Act and some of these other bills that are introduced with strange components that you would think, you know, what the heck's this got to do with uh, national security or or terrorism, you know, when they can, whatever, they slide in there. You know how the bills will work. Yes. Uh, they piggyback things in. I just, I just don't trust that system anymore. I think that most of us don't trust that system anymore. And the way that uh, even, even like the remember the bill with the food, the food safety Department? modernization act. Yes, exactly. I mean, just the way that they try to slide that thing through, and there's so many little components that we don't even realize how to piggyback laws and to try to get them yeah. through without the public ever knowing about them. Even sometimes, even without the Congress members knowing that these bills have been amended yep. to carry on uh, an agenda that is even elusive to them. Yeah, exactly. And if anybody wonders why we question the whole Obama is dead story, I mean, why should we believe these people up there at government? They're protecting, you know, I, uh, Liam, uh, Liam Sheff, my, my friend, uh, we, we did a whole hour on gullibility last week. Uh, it was really great. And he said, official stories, right? The official story is, the official story is there to pr- protect the officials. It's yeah. like, wow, you know, that just right, cuts right to the heart of it. And, and you know, we got to start thinking for ourselves again, again, beyond the sheeple concept again. Yeah, I was to say, you know, that when God gave us this thing that sits inside our skulls, it was a brain, you know, not to be mistaken for a train. Maybe some people thought this train, I don't need really a train. But, you know, we need to we need to start using our brains. And, and there was a purpose that we got those for. And we just don't use it. And I, I have had people tell me i've had a couple patients tell me you know there's so much information there's so much stuff to process you've got the uh, marketing messages that are inundating you all the time you have uh inundation by uh time constraints and scheduling and work and this that the other kids and their activities and everything else and so it's hard to take the time that's necessary to separate facts from fiction and yes i agree with that i think that's a that's a truism i think that is a, a problem an issue but it still does not allow for us to walk into the pit of hell, if you will, yes. with our eyes wide open with that excuse that, well, I just don't have time to separate fact from fiction. Mm. And at some point, you know, you have to do it a little bit. I think that's one of the reasons that I have such an affinity for you because, you know, it's a short segment that you do every day, a couple, an hour or two, and, and it allows people to kind of see the truth. And there, there are other fractionated Groups that are like that, like this uh, safe, this uh, vac. What was it? Sanevax. Sanevax. Yeah, right. Great. Yeah. There's a number of different small institutions like that, and organizations where people have come together, motivated by the same underlying desire to empower the public with facts. I think as time goes on, um, the universal consciousness is increasing. Increasing people are becoming more and more aware, and and that we have a lot to be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the vitamin G, the gratitude. In addition to the vitamin L, I always come back to that. That at the end of the day, if we you know if we can't measure our lives by something valuable like love, is there more love in our lives based on what we do, based on who we're interacting with? Uh, then the, you know th- that for me is the litmus to success, not how many Federal Reserve notes you can have or burn because they're getting to be worth less and less. So you know, more and more and more people that uh, that give me feedback on the book too, in the nine steps. Uh, that's what they've told me that they found that part to be unexpected where I talk mm-hmm. about that at the end in the, yes. in the epilogue section in the last chapter. Well, that's what's so beautiful about what you presented there. It takes it to that level where we, we try to go every week, and it's unexpected. Sometimes we're, we're doing the minutia of a physiological disease and toxicology scenario, which you cover so well in not only a practice in the book, and then you know to the, to the realm of energy. 
which you know ultimately everything is, and that's why I enjoy the ride every week here on the Advanced Medicine Monday with you. Well, I enjoy being on that ride with you, Robert. It's always a pleasure. It really is. Well, the book is The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. If you don't have it yet, what are you waiting for? And call me at 866-939-BELL, B-E-L-L, 866-939-BELL. Leave a message for even Dr. Batar. We love, we put out a question if you wanted to hear from some cancer patients that have been through it. We're open to your suggestions. I've got great questions and comments coming in. And Dr. Batar would also love to hear from you. And we're always grateful to be together on this special Advanced Medicine Monday. Robert, it's always a pleasure to be here, and uh, I hope that uh, we can actually have a couple of these patients. Uh, We've had four or five people actually call the clinic and uh, volunteer to be on it that have gone through the treatment programs that we have just to be able to answer questions that other people may have. And this has nothing to even do with the treatment aspect. I mean, they'll be happy to talk about that, but even questions as to, you know, what went through their minds, how fear uh, was one of the motivating factors for them to make the decisions that led them to one particular side of the treatment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so it may benefit other people listening. And, and uh, so we do have people already on our end that are happy to be on the show. So you let me know what you want to do. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to hearing from you out there. So thank you for being here. And I remind you every day as I do, and of course every week with Dr. Bittar, that the power to heal is yours. 